Welcome to the RPG Design Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Riley, and I use he, they pronouns. I'm a tabletop game designer and an actual play podcaster. In this podcast, we're going to critically talk about tabletop role-playing games, their mechanics, and the scene that surrounds them. In this episode, we're going to talk about advancement in games. Taking new playbook moves, gaining experience, the ways in which that is gained, and so on and so forth. My two guests are Natalie, who uses she-her pronouns, and Takuma, who uses they-she pronouns. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the uh, the RP the the RPG Design Friends uh, podcast that is going to happen, and that's the name that I'm stuck with. Joining me today for a talk on leveling up, my two friends, uh, Natalie. Hey, what's up, Natalie? Hello. Sorry, I did not know that you were trying to sh- introduce me. There's never been a smooth podcast opening to, for the true. first time, yeah. and so I've just got to figure out what the flow is going to be for this. Mm-hmm. That's just how it's going to work. What are your pronouns, my friend? I use she/her pronouns. Hell yeah! And then over here on my digital right side is Takuma. Hey, my friend. Hi, I'm Takuma. Uh, my pronouns are they/them. Hell yeah! There we go. And we have gathered each other today to talk a bit critically about like some role-playing game stuff and like actually look into the mechanics and look into how we take in role-playing game stuff if that makes sense i'll have better praising now i want to talk to y'all right now we mentioned we talked a bit about what we're going to talk about but i want to talk about leveling up in games and what our thoughts are on it and if we think that it's done in the best way that it can be leveling up here can be understood as like you know xp advancements progression in general like does anyone have any gut thoughts on progression um i can start i guess uh yeah go for it i am sort of the resident pbta (laughs) hater not not quite hater i'll play pbta games and i love them but (laughs) i am that's a a strong statement to come in with (laughs) i'm loving it though (sighs) I really don't love PBTA games, and it's mm-hmm. part of that has to do with the progression, which is, you know, a lot of PBTA games do, oh, XP, you know, um, like 7 XP, and then next level you, you'll have one more, and then you get to pick a move for your level up, mm-hmm. or you'll get to increase your stats, and that's just so boring to me, like, it, it's just, like, a reflavor of, like, feats and stat increases from D&D, it's... And, mm-hmm. like, part of my problem with PBTA is also just the whole move structure in general, having this, like, very specific trigger that, I don't know, it, it feels like it's shoehorning you into these certain scenarios that you have to use these in, and then just having a couple more of these scenarios doesn't especially make the character that much more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. So, That's it, in- yeah. That, it, that in of, itself is yeah. really interesting. Like, I, like, the idea of, like, I haven't met many people that uh, work that do not enjoy the uh, kind of specific triggers in PBTA games. When I was making my PBTA game, a lot of people had said like, oh, I think these need specific triggers. That's interesting in itself that you're like that you want to uh, that your idea is to push against that. What would you what would you replace it with? I like having, you know, specific scenarios and then giving people like more of an option to work within those scenarios. Like, I guess what I'm looking for is like an immersive sim type game. <laughs> you want the open world of game of tabletop role playing games. Yeah. Immersive sim. What do you want? The walking simulator of, <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is awful. <laughs> I hate these words that I'm saying. <laughs> You're, not walking wrong, though. You're not completely wrong where it's like, I, I do want these like open world, like, have these sandbox type games right and but the Mm -hmm. problem with a lot of these open world video games and stuff is that a lot of the stuff is just like really it's hard to feel personal like it's not Mm -hmm. they're not these authored experiences right i want to make these authored like scenarios and scenes that can be interpreted really broadly but then still be able to like those scenarios should have enough there to spark a lot of different ideas for people really easily, but at the same time, like, be able to produce these broad experiences. Um, which is why I really like games like Fall of Magic and Spindle Wheel, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So where does progression fit in that, though? What does progression look like when it's when it's happening in that kind of broad but authored situation? Is it something where it's like, um, like in Spindle Wheel, which I have not read recently, so I may be getting all of this wrong. I'm very sorry, Sasha. So <laughs> my understanding is that like as you play, when you do certain things, you're able to get certain cards that sort of represent what you want in the world. Is that is that fair? Yeah, like, like you get when, desire cards. You, when you when you're playing Spindle Wheel, from what from the last time I played it, um, <clears throat> you are when you're introducing a new thing on the map, or not a new thing on the map. When you're introducing a new character or a new like item, or you don't know where the quest the mm-hmm. the story is going, you draw and you get a card with two cryptic sayings on it, and then you pick and then interpret from those. Right, and then also at the beginning of the game, you do you have your goal, you have your um, I can't remember Sasha's specific wording for it, but they are all based in like giving your character direction. Yeah, right. It's, um, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. sorry. Um, I've only played the like festival version, like the the one shot version, and like your character arc is sort of pre planned, where you have a beginning, you have like before now, you have like what's happening now, and then you have your end. Okay. Um, and you don't completely know what that end card means yet, and you might not even fully know what the, the now card means yet. And these these prompts give you an idea and like a, a flavor, and then you can work within those really, really broadly to figure out the arc of this character during this game. And then the progression that fits into that is like these these cards that you draw, obviously, and you get to introduce things into the world, or you get to learn more about your character by reflecting because the card reflects what your character is thinking. And really progression is more understanding more about the character and understanding more about the world and introducing new things into the world. Interesting. Okay, so that's interesting because spin a wheel specifically, like I think it's interesting because I can see how that works in that realm. But how would like is there a way that we could take take that kind of introducing new things into the world style of progression into other games. Like, I don't think you could just like hack it backwards into any other <laughs> game, but like maybe how it, I mean, but, maybe actually, but <laughs> it's like, if we're thinking about this, like is in spindle wheel, the cards that you're using are like, in some ways they're like currency in other games. Like mm-hmm. a currency is a generalized word, but like when we think about currency, it's like a thing we can use and spend to do something in the game. And in Spindle Wheel, these cards maybe are used as a currency that you can use to introduce new details or reflect on old things, just like how in, um, oh my god, Clink? Yeah, Clink. Clink. Uh, there, it is literally a currency with the coins that you get that you can use to reflect on your character, um, with like, uh, flashback scenes that you do in that game. Um, and you get the coins by doing, like, following your goal or following your creed. And then you spend the coins and clink to like have a flashback to describe some sort of old part of your character that you're still carrying with you. And you can use those flashback sort of like scenes to talk about what your character is and who they are. And then you also, that's also like a form of progression in that game because you use those flashbacks to, they're sort of like the stats, I guess. Not really. Um, they're like aspects in, fi- in fate where mm-hmm. it's like you can use those to get bonuses to your role to like roll better in clink. So, like, in a similar way that, like, in Spindle Wheel, you use this cu- these cards as currencies to introduce new things, it's possible that, like, progression in other games could be, like, you get a currency now, and you can just use that to introduce stuff. Hmm. Or have flashbacks. That's inter- I know you're a big proponent of flashbacks, Matt. I fucking <laughs> love them. <laughs> <laughs> so, my what I always come up against when I try to visualize something like that, where it is like, all right, we're going to introduce something new about the character... <clears throat> I'm always worried about, like, the way I do it, I have trouble, like, going, like, oh, but I feel like I learned from this moment right here, and that's why I got the move. But I guess what you're saying is not everything has to be a flashback, which is, like, a true thing. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, so. I'm Like, I'm always worried that I'm going to lock myself in to, like, either having to, I need to figure out, like, I need to then flash back to a scene of like my character going like, ah, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Or like, <laughs> but I, I like the idea of sometimes I can take a move and it feels like my character learned in the moment instead of having to flash back to an older moment. 
I think there is something pleasurable about the numbers and the systems in a game like in games like PBTA games, um, in the sense that they are fully centered in a kind of narrative experience, but they are also able to produce the kinds of number system game fun things that a lot of people enjoy in games like D and D. I don't think they do it to the same extent as games like D and D do, but um, I think what's the word for this is it Aegon. Um, but like that, that joyful experience of, of playing with the rules is something that I think people can get fun out of um, with progression in, in a game like P- in games like PBT and games like Apocalypse World um, mm-hmm. that maybe wouldn't exist in the same kind of way in a game like Spindle Wheel. I don't think that means that Spindle's progression is bad, but I think it's there are different kinds of progression, and it sounds like the kind of progression that exists in in games like Apocalypse World is not the kind of progression that you're interested in seeing, Takuma. Yeah, um, I did like have a hot take about this, where I was like, oh, like mm-hmm. leveling up and getting new moves and better stats, and then taking on harder challenges feels like the worst parts of DBZ and like other shonen like you're not wrong (laughs) yeah that's a hot take but that don't make it not true (laughs) yeah i don't even know how hot that is because i feel like that's that's a sentiment other people definitely understand Mm -hmm. um and i think that like where i'm going i i also really appreciate you know like min maxing and like playing with the rules although typically i like doing that in video games more because a lot of the moving parts the the game just takes care for me Mm-hmm. And it's just, I have less to worry about, but, like, the way I'm thinking about this, like, like flashback slash, like, memory-based progression, where, like, oh, this specific experience in the game, this, like, part of the game that you just did, leads to a thing that your character now understands better or can do better, right? And then using that, like, give the GM more tools to throw different obstacles at you, and then you have these different memories to deal with these new obstacles, mm-hmm. is, like, where I think you can go where it feels a little more gamey um, without losing a lot of that, like, narrative aspect of the game. But, like, I don't see a lot of games doing that really yet, and I'm trying to figure out, like, where to work in that space, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How to, like... How to carve out a space and in a game in a in in a uh, in a scene that is really connected to just doing like the oh yeah we progression is always this additive thing of mm-hmm. getting the new move or moving a number up one. I think it's interesting though because I think it's hard. I don't know. I'm trying to think about my ex- my actual experience of of Apocalypse World, which is the game I'm always thinking of when I think of part by the Apocalypse games. And the game you're always thinking of. I'm always thinking. I love that game so much. But <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> although it has it has a lot of problems, but like, I think that there is a kind of boundedness to the probability space of of Apocalypse World, which is to say the dice mm-hmm. and the the things that you add to them are bounded pretty strongly. Um, and so, like for me, when I've played it, even when I've played it in longer games, it doesn't. Even when people get a lot of progression and advancements in that game. It doesn't feel often like it's a power creep kind of thing, which it definitely did feel like in D&D when I had played that. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also hard because a lot of games, I don't know, it's it's hard because moves in Power by the Apocalypse games t- tend, in my experience, to give more lateral rather than like vertical progression, um, which is to say that like it expands the sort of fictional possibility space of what you can do with your character. Mm-hmm. Like maybe a move says, uh, or it ex- maybe expands the reward space of what you can do with a character. Like maybe a move is like, when you do blank, you get plus one to doing it or something like that, depending on the game's actual wording. But like, in that kind of sense, it is making you better at doing the thing, but it's also the real function of the move is to make, is to like reward you for doing the thing. <laughs> and a lot of moves will do that more specifically by saying like, you gain experience or you do something else that interacts with the the, the rules of the system. And, like, some of the moves are more centered in, like, like what you can do, which are moves like, uh, moves that ask you to roll and then determine the results based on that roll. Um, but, like, the moves that I find most interesting when I'm playing a part by the Apocalypse games, when I'm playing Apocalypse World, are the games that don't ask me to roll it, or the moves that don't ask me to roll at all, that are only, like, when you do something, what happens next? 
Yeah. And I, I do think that's like an interesting point. Yeah, I the other day, uh, it might have just been yesterday, I don't know, every day goes a million years. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Takumo was saying, uh, I think that, like, why should failure even be in the conversation? Like, mm-hmm. you, you, had, you had said something like that yeah. when you were talking about moves. And that is interesting, because, like, in that world, like, progression, be- or in my immediate view of what that could look like, is, like, progression just becomes lateral because you never have to get stronger because if you're trying to do something in-game, then you do it. A lot of it boils down to, like, what you're looking to get out of the game in terms of, like, building a character, right? Where mm-hmm. some game, some some people just want to, like, yeah. make a super overpowered character and get all these moves and be able to do all these things... Um. And, like, there it's fun to, like, get better stats and get a lot of moves. And, like, that's that's great for a lot of people, and it's really fun. And, like, usually that's not what I'm coming to tabletop games for, which is my problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's not your problem. That's just how you approach the games. That's what it means different games <laughs> for you, you know though. what I mean? Yeah, and, like, the re- I guess part of the reason why, like, PPT is so hard for me is because... Um, that's, like, mismatched with what other people are coming to the game for, where, like, Mm -hmm. I really only see my character needing, oh, these three or four moves. And -hmm. that makes sense for this character, and that is this... Mm -hmm. It's still focused. And then adding more to that loses that focus in a way that I really don't like, but we're still playing the game, and the campaign's going on, and I have this XP I should do something with, probably, but I don't want to. That's a really good point. What if when you're like if you have those three those three moves that sitting there that you're like I'm good that's it that's all I need is it like is there something to the idea of that you could then spend the that XP or those advancements to kind of rewriting the moves and changing them it, would that be something or is that outside of the realm even further I think that's a good idea actually like that that's not something that like a rewrite your previous advancements like in a different way is not something that you see a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monster Hearts has I it mean, for I, sex moves. But... Asking asking you to change the text of the game can be dangerous. Yeah, potentially yeah, sure. in a good way though. But yeah. I think I think I think there's also questions of like if this if this kind of advancement is not going to be interesting for everyone, how can you provide other kinds of advancements or other kinds of uses for that experience? So, like, in a lot of games, and these games have many problems, but in a lot of games, they will put, they will allow you to spend experience or advancements or whatever other kind of progression they provide, whatever kind of, like, what's the word, reward they provide mm-hmm. um, on other benefits. So, like, I think of, like, 7th C lets you spend experience to get, like, a bonus to a role or to, I think, like, make some sort of small statement about the world. Um, and so in that kind of game... Maybe that would be something that Takuma would be more interested in because it would be like, I can use this advancement to get something else in the fiction that is not part of changing my character or part of revealing new things about my character. Yeah. But like, I think a lot of games fail to provide other avenues of progression than making a character better in some way or making a character like more broad in some way. So that's a question that I have down here is the question of does does progression always have to be additive? And even further than that, like, what would a reductive progression system look like? And how would that work in a game? Like, I'm very interested by, like, that concept of, like, like using XP or advancements or what have you, using that as a currency to further other aspects. But how you could make, uh, how you could make something compelling in a way that is, like, uh, reductive instead of making the player better. Instead of making the character better, like taking things from the character if that is something that is interesting and i think this should start you know with discussion of where of games where like uncharted worlds for instance once you have a certain Mm -hmm. number of moves uh you can't gain any more new moves you can switch moves or you can use that xp for other things like we were just talking about um i forget what exactly but like gear and stuff like that and that's like one version of it where i i think masks does this too right where it's like you can is it you can change the stat allocations? Yeah. Yeah, I think Ma- so. Masks you can shift uh shift your labels up and down, which are shifting your stats, and other people can do that in game. And so that's just encouraged to kind of happen like whenever, and one of your advancements can eventually become locking that stat in so it cannot be shifted anymore. Yeah. Those like I think 
those kinds of like progression systems are more interesting to me, but like not as, I don't know how to put it, where it's like, it doesn't, it's hard for that to feel like you're moving ahead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes sense in like the, the superhero, like series that go on forever. Like it makes sense yeah. to show character change over time in that way. Um, and then going to like the reductive version of it, that faces that barrier too in an even larger way because mm-hmm. it's really hard to make it feel like taking things away is worth that experience, I think. Where it still has to be additive in some way that's maybe not focused on the player characters, but mm-hmm. like is maybe focused on the world or like the crew or something like that. Now that's that's kind of cool is the idea of like I I know like I think in the in the philosophy channel everyone was talking about this the other day about like a shared thing that everyone like charges up or not charges up every a shared thing that people build together and using right. the XP as a currency for that to then have that make an effect on the world there's something compelling about that and I think in like uh I I've seen rumblings on tw- on a uh, Quinn Wilson's Twitter about like wanting to do like a Stardew Valley Harvest Moon esque like actual play where it's just like we're chill like it's slice of life that kind of experience spending is very interesting like of a just helping the world grow or like and i think there yeah i think there are like there's an interest like when when takuma said that i was like immediately like oh what would what would it look like if when you took an advancement you could give your move to someone else in like a pvt Mm -hmm. game or you could give this bonus to someone else who is playing here or you get to say something else that is kind or good for other people. I think that would be like a really cool and interesting thing to be able to do for your character, potentially. Maybe not for every character, but like... If you could spend uh, XP, like, banked 10 pluses. Like, banked, like, you nailed this roll. Mm-hmm. Like, spend that XP. Like, But then, like, at that point, you have to change how you get the XP to a degree, right? Because the the general, like, the ge- the I air quotes generally accepted, but like you fail a roll gain XP or like um, you beat the monster gain XP like that. I don't think works then if you can spend the, if you spend the XP to make such, if you, if the XP, if the currency of XP can be spent in such a meaningful and significant way, then it becomes much more dangerous to have so much of that to a degree. Doesn't it? I think it depends on, it depends a lot on the economy of the game. So like in some games, it might depend on how easily you can you can do that. It also depends on what you're exactly doing. Like if you're if you, if say the advancement you're taking is I no longer get access to this move, and instead my friend Takuma and their character gets access to this move instead. So like I am just giving them this move wholesale. It's not mine anymore. Maybe that's not as dangerous. If it's a thing where it's like I get to say that with this experience or with this currency that I've built up. That Takuma's character gets to do this really cool thing. Um, maybe that is dangerous. It depends a lot on the economy and what you're interested in getting out of it. If, if this is a game where you want to be like giving people the opportunity to say nice things for other people's characters, um, <laughs> then maybe that's a good thing and you want to give them a lot of experience because you want them to offer that, those kinds of bonuses often. Although like in this theoretical game that does not exist, I would worry a lot about consent and like, how much is Takuma's character and Takuma themselves able to be like, I don't want this thing that you're giving me. Please don't give it to me. <laughs> but yeah, I think, but like, I think that there are, I think that there are ways to shift around the economy of your game. So it's not like progression happens within a single character, or maybe that progression happens within um, a single like building that is being created together. But maybe progression happens between communities, between players or between characters, I should say. Um, or maybe progression happens between players. But, like, that a, progression a looks like something else now. Like a group a group XP pool. Like some people do group uh, cash pools in games yeah. that have, like, actual money in as their currency. Like, that, that there's something very interesting about that. It's like, all right, we have all this XP. When, you, when we want to do something, we'll be able to do something with it. I like that idea a lot. That makes me really want to use that kind of idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. I know a lot of games. Not a lot of games. I know. I know two games that um, that use group experience. Um, one of them is the old, um, <laughs> the old New World of Darkness 2.0 rules 
That's a that's a that's a mouthful. Um, but the the new the, Nintendo 3DS XL. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> for example, pro play games. But um, yeah, in that game, it, and like one of the suggested rules, alternative rules that they gave was that every time anyone gets experience, it goes into a shared pool of experience, and then at the end of a session or whatever, you split it up amongst everyone. So everyone shares all experience. Um, and I, <laughs> there are two games because I, I wrote a game that uses a similar thing because I thought that was really cool as like a way to encourage everyone to care about the progression that happens with everyone to like, cause a lot of times the progression in, in, in world of, in that world of dark, that edition of world of darkness and in a lot of games, progression happens when you play to a character or when you like say certain things in the fiction. And so like when everyone is like procedurally encouraged to care about these things, it makes it a lot easier for them to be like offering each other opportunities to do them. Mm-hmm. So it's like easier for another player to be like, Oh, I see that you have this. Oh God, I'm forgetting what they're called in world of darkness. You have this flaw. I think, um, that, uh, you are really greedy. So I'm going to offer you an opportunity to act out on that flaw. And maybe you'll take me up on it and then you will have gained experience and I'll have been gotten a benefit from it too. But so like that, that idea of like encouraging people to care about other people's characters for their progression is also really compelling for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going off of that, um, Uncharted Worlds does a similar thing where um, everyone shares the XP triggers. Each character has two XP triggers, but when they activate, everyone gets that XP and anyone and it doesn't even have to be player characters. It can be NPCs can activate those XP triggers, and then everyone gets XP, which I really liked. Although I have That's an really issue cool. with the triggers themselves a lot of the time. <laughs> that that in itself is an interesting question. Then to specifically point at and go like, what what do y'all think are good successful triggers for experience? Or let's start. We can start in the other direction. What what are do you think bad triggers for experience? When you say bad, do you mean, do you mean like ethically? Do you mean like logistically? Do you mean like, I mean, in, my, in my head, in my head, I know, I like, I know that like in D and D, when you kill a monster and get experience, mm, that, mm. that, 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 hmm, mm. hmm, that's got some, <laughs> or, <laughs> in older, yeah, or in older editions of D and D, when you acquire treasure from, from peoples that are not part of your communities and you steal that treasure and then take it back to your own communities. That is also a way. That's the, that was the main way to get experience. Those two. Those two are both pretty ethically kind of a little bit concerning. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like old RPG that that uh old RPG stuff that makes for very ethically unsound fucking uh, experience gains. Mm-hmm. I like failing to gain experience. I like I like that when I fail a roll, I at least can go. I'm gonna mark experience, like. Like I get better with time. I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's like the best way that could be, but it feels better as someone who thinks that failure is frustrating in games mm. to like get experience at that moment. Yeah. I think that's a kind of reflection of a certain kind of understanding of how roles are related to characters where it's like, this represents a character succeeding or not succeeding, making mistakes, or something in between, or something else entirely, depending on the game. But so that, like, when you have made a mistake that you, or when your character has made a mistake that you're learning from it, that's, like, that's a very real thing. Um, pedagogically, that's, like, how people learn is to make mistakes. But, like, so, so that's sort of, like, representing a very specific kind of understanding of what roles do for characters, I think. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, a role represents, like, whether or not you've made a mistake, in that sense. And, like, I think there are other kinds of ways that characters can have relationships to roles, like, or that players can have relationships to roles. Like, a role might tell you who gets to talk right now, or maybe a role gets to tell you what specific thing will happen in this outcome, and then you have to decide together. Just, like, The Clay That Woke by Paul... I don't know how to say his last name. Segi? Giamatti. No, not that one. Um, But in The Clay That Woke, like, every role that you make is determining what the end of the scene is, and then you as players have to determine how you get there. So, like, in that kind of sense, like, failure isn't the same, even if the word failure shows up. And so, like, using that as an as an experience trigger, like, works in some games that have that relationship between players or characters and the dice. And in some games, it doesn't work at all. 
Yeah, like some sometimes failure is a learning experience, and sometimes it's just failure, and it just sucks. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't always want to be rewarded for that failure because sometimes it's just like, oh, I fucking I fucked up. I have to try yeah. harder next time. Like I really I, beefed it. Yeah, <laughs> I am like really interested in like if games want to tackle. Oh, you have to fail in this specific way to get experience mm-hmm. instead of every failure is experience. You know. Yeah, that's why I like some games that like um, Edge of the Empire and the Genesis system have. Or Genesis doesn't have this. Edge of the Empire has a obligation where like um, you have like you have like okay, this is your shit. Like this is the thing that like you are obligated to do. Like ah, I'm obligated to like pay back money to like this like hut, or I'm obligated to call my family every night. And it's not a bad thing. It's just like you have this, and so like. If I, I when I would run those games is if you played into your obligation harder and then made bad decisions or got the group into trouble because of it, then you gained experience from it. You got free free XP. Cause I think that like I think it's always funner when you choose to fail than when you are <laughs> yeah. forced to fail by the dice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so like um there are some problems with that kind of um, progression system also. Obviously, there are problems with mm-hmm. every kind of progression. I don't want to... Every kind yeah. of progression system has problems, but like... We're not going to solve can... progression today. <laughs> I of wish. Of course not. I wish. <laughs> Listen. But like, when you are... And like, like for any kind of reward system, when you're encouraging players, and, and I think this is part and parcel of um, probably a, a whole other episode topic, maybe, but like, um, <laughs> games understand... Play is happening with a bunch of characters all in a group that travel together and everything they do happens together. And so when a, when a game like that encourages characters to make mistakes, often what it ends up meaning is a mistake is a bad thing for the group, which is, I mean, which is like very fair to real communities and how they work. But like, mm-hmm. so in that kind of sense, it can, it can foster resentment between mm. characters and that can bleed into between players where it's like, Oh, this player, decided to to make this this decision for this character in a way that makes sense and is playing into their obligations but in doing so they have hurt the rest of us our community and i feel resentment my character feels resentment and i feel resentment towards that player for for messing up our stuff but like my character feels resentment towards that character for having fucked up in that way does that make sense that like yeah it can it can build these kind of negative relationships between the community and it's possible that's that's something that you want in a game like edge of the empire which is all about shitty people doing shitty things together yeah and in blades like blades is yeah like, oh it's it's fun to like outdo each other to see how terrible you can be <laughs> <laughs> just does uh, so i have not read blades that thoroughly um does do the negative consequences of the the stuff that you're playing into does that have like group consequences for everyone or are those consequences specifically to your character personally or to a character personally it's like sort of both because Obviously, like, it, it depends on your GM. And, like, if you mm-hmm. fuck up this role real bad, and then the GM is like, oh, your whole group is in trouble now. Like, that's not something specifically that the game tells you to do, but it is something a GM can do. Okay. Um, and then, like, the experience for, for failing is still... Well, not failing, but rolling a desperate role is still, like, just your character, and it's not shared in that way. Actually, I think mm-hmm. that could be really interesting for Forge in the Dark if, Ooh. like, a desperate role or, like, a failure could give XP to the whole group or something like that. Yeah. Um, and Blades also has these XP triggers where it's, like, playing into your vice um, and playing into your beliefs, um, which is interesting in in theory and then doesn't work so well in practice in my experience yeah, I, I thought i saw you on twitter the other day talking talking about bonds and beliefs and do you got do you got thoughts on those what's <laughs> your bond thoughts um oh man like yeah it's it's like this one sentence is not really that informative and is really hard to act on when it comes to Ooh, acting towards yeah. another player Mm-hmm. And it's like past Mood. experiences with another character shape your future experiences. Like this thing you did together and everything that happened there is what affects your next thing. Not not this one sentence, you know? Like this mission that you two were on, that can affect the next thing. But it's not, oh, this one sentence. And I guess, yeah, you can write a sentence based on that mission. 
but it's, I don't know, I, it really, I really just don't like Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I, I find Bonds very interesting because I, because I guess they're a more complicated form of links. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's, I, I like any way that I can tangibly write down and have like a, um, a mechanism from which to work with a relationship to an, another person in a game. You know what I mean? That is always compelling to me because so much of my gaming growing up was like, oh, it's that person. Who's that person? Who has the notes? Does anyone have notes? We don't have notes. <laughs> we don't have notes. I don't know who you are. <laughs> can you go? Can I get a plot synopsis, please? And so, like, when I can tangibly write down, like, I have beef with this motherfucker because that to me is like, I enjoy that, but I also get that, like, it doesn't give you the full picture because it can't, and so... Yeah, and I mean, like, the... I have a beef with that character is from, like, a past experience, right? Like, that that's... Mm-hmm. A, right. That's a thing that happened, and then that turns into a sentence. And I think part of my issue, or, like, mo- the main thrust of my issue is that that should not be an experience thing. That should be a part of the game, yes, but that shouldn't be mm-hmm. what grants you experience, because having that reward forces you into playing into that maybe more often than you'd like. Mm-hmm. And it, like, having, especially having a lot of bonds with a lot of characters that you're supposed to be playing into all at once is not good for my, my scattered yeah. brain. And it's a lot. It makes it feel wooden, I guess, to me. Like, it, it feels forced. Like, those interactions can feel forced if I'm trying to get that XP, and I just, I want mm-hmm. it to happen more naturally. I want that to exist, that relationship to exist, and, like, a description of that to exist, but... I don't want it tied up in my XP and progression. That, that's I think what... that is, like, a really good point, though, that, like, progression systems, you have to be really careful what is rewarded and what isn't. Like, some things, when you reward them, will focus all of the player's attention upon that thing. Like, I have mm-hmm. to do this. I really have to do this. And, like, giving people too many triggers, too many instances of reward can be really difficult for the player to be, like, oh my god, I have to do all of these things? Oh my god. And, like, it makes it really hard to be, like, playing naturally and naturally coming upon these things or, at like, encouraging other players to help you come upon these things. Yeah, I can... Yeah, I think that's a... I think that's a really good point. Yeah, like, there, to a degree, that's what's interesting about how um, Edge of the Empire and the Star Wars RPGs by Fantasy Flight do um do that uh obligation that i was talking about earlier because Mm -hmm. each of those has like a value between like depending on group sides but they like range up to 20 and down to five and you put all of those together on a big sheet and add them up and then you roll a d1 blank or d100 to be like all right if we land on one through 15, it's going to be, we're going to have to deal with your hut stuff next episode. If we deal with 16 through 27, that's going to be about the, uh, the blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But like, I like that because that means that I'm not, I'm not forced to play into my obligation every episode, but I will get an episode that is targeted at me and my obligation. Yeah. Like, Things are going to come back and bite you in the ass later, but, like, that should happen naturally, or, like, in this case, randomly, to feel naturally. Like, it shouldn't be forcing you to constantly keep at it so you can get this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's maybe it's something where you get to choose, like, you know, this episode, I think the huts are going to come from my ass and I'm going to get totally reamed out because I still owe them money. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like the, you're making the choice that, like, oh, this episode the huts will appear. Not, like... Oh my god, this episode the huts are gonna appear and my dad is gonna come back from the dead again. Um, <laughs> again. Again. And it's like, oh my god, or like oh no, I have to interact with my dad again, and the huts are going to appear. And that that um space corp, I don't know anything about Star Wars. Um yeah, and that <laughs> space corp that we fucked over last mission is gonna come for us again. And you have to like deal with all of these things at once, like being able to pick like, oh, this fit this mission, I don't give a fuck about my dad or the space corpse. The huts are coming from my ass. Yeah. I Yeah. I that's I like that. I like having one thing on a plate, and I also like the fact that that builds in spotlight episodes for like specific characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really good. I do think there's like danger. Okay, this is like, there's there's yeah. danger in games where 
So, like, this is a very specific kind of game, and I have not played this kind of game in a long time. Um, but there are games where you you choose to to have things like the huts are coming from my ass as like a character trait, and doing so gives you a benefit in character creation. So, like, GURPS does this a lot. Um, I think. I think even World of Darkness did this too, but like a lot of games that have that kind of like point by system will, will give you the, the opportunity to be like hunted down or maybe you have like a lot of, in a lot of cases it was really ableist, like you are missing a leg or you're bound to a wheelchair or whatever. And so like when that comes up, you get experience or when that comes up, it, it like generates some sort of fictional currency that you get to use or something like that. And I think it's dangerous to have only one character like to have that be like an optional thing and not have everyone do it because then it just provides spotlight to only certain characters mm-hmm. but i also think it would be really easy to just be like give everyone that just be like everyone you get to have you're all hunted by something pick it which i think Micromancer does or certain oh, yeah. i think i think frizzy's um Macromancer. i think the frizzy's like variant um thing had something like mm-hmm. that yeah i uh, i like that goddamn game um <laughs> um okay cool so we're coming we're coming to ahead of the uh the the allotted time i want for this episode so if y'all do y'all have any like how are you gonna take like advancements and leveling up and progression into the next thing you work on if at all because i think the next thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna play with that team advancement idea yeah i like that a lot I want to see what that looks like. Hell yeah. And that's going to slot into the fucking sports game that I'm looking at. Oh, yeah. Very nicely. Hell yeah. Because that just translates into salary cap. And that's just like, that's a fun way to frame that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do y'all, what, what do y'all, what, what do y'all take from this, this conversation, this looking at the advancements? Or nothing. That's also chill. No, I. I think the thing that I'm interested in is explaining, exploring, and playing with um, the idea of like, I think like what Takuma was talking about at the beginning. Like, what does advancement look like when it's purely fictional? What does advancement look like when it's not? I mean, I mean, okay. To be fair, like a lot of advancements are pure, like moves are purely fictional in a lot of ways. Um, where they represent truly fictional things, but like, what does advancement look like when it's not tied to mechanics? What does advancement look like when it's between characters? I think is the other thing that I'm really interested in. Like, what does an advancement look like when it happens between characters or between communities or within a community? And it's not about an individual character. I think that's something I'm really interested in playing with. Use fucking advancement as like a goddamn fire emblem <laughs> relationship. Meter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh Yo, fuck. I have to make a fire emblem game now. We fuck. crack this yeah. motherfucker. Oh my god. Right oh. oh shit. Uh, yo, I want a better relationship with this NPC. I'm putting my advancement into that relationship. And then Ooh. how does, what did you do for that relation, that advancement? What does that, yo, hold up. We that got all like the way the to the end. Confident thing, I need right? to fucking write this down. This I, like I will, that I will do that lot. immediately as this episode ends. Oh, my God. oh, I like that a lot. All right. Um, for <laughs> me, uh, you know, I've been working on Stew Pot, which is where you have, you start as an adventurer and you're retiring. So you have these okay. experiences from your adventuring past where it's like, oh, I can heal people, or oh, I can turn into animals, or oh, I, I can control plants. And then as you play through the game, you cross out your adventure experiences and you gain a town experience. And mm. it doesn't mean that you lose that adventure experience completely, but it means it's taking a back seat and it's less important to you right now. And these town experiences are more for running this tavern and and for like existing as a person in this town community instead of an adventure. Mm-hmm. And oh I'm really interested in like campaigns your character is not always going to be the best suited for what's happening right now and I'm really interested in being like oh for this period of time like the, these skill sets are necessary and then the next time like those skills might not be necessarily uh necessary at all and they might not be helpful for you at all and you need to like relearn and that mm-hmm. kind of progression is interesting to me and then the other thing that i've been putting on the back burner for so long <laughs> is uh like an earthsea ttrpg Ooh. where it's like progression is this was like very directly inspired by clink where it's like you learn the true names of things as advancements and that functions sort of like the flashbacks in clink where it's okay. like 
you undertake this challenge to, like, gain the trust of this thing and learn really, like, the true name of this thing, and then you have that as magic that you can do in the future and that you can combine with other other names, other types of magic. And then that gives you a really broad tool set over time. Hell yeah. Okay. I like that. I I've been I also I was just thinking about fucking uh about reductive uh reductive progression and what that would look like. And I realized I looked over at my coffee table and I'm reading a Power Rangers comic book about Tommy Oliver's last job, and as he's going through, he's burning up all of his old ranger powers, and like yeah. when he wants to use them, then they're gone. Yes. And so, using it as like a legacy game yeah. where you're like, "Oh, I'm playing this character at the end of their life. Like, I'm gonna burn through the th- when I use a move, then it's gone. Like, then that move is gone. But like, I've gained like an understanding, like you said for Stewpot, like gained an understanding of how to operate within this town as a normal, as a as a non adventuring person. That's that's compelling. Like I mentioned, the secrets of the immortal Nicholas Flamel, uh, mm-hmm. which was a like YA fantasy, like modern fantasy series where a bunch of like famous immortal people from history are actually like serving gods or have like gained immortality on their own, and they're like competing to like control the world, basically. Where it's like Nicholas Flamel and Billy the Kid and John D and Machiavelli and people like that, mm-hmm. and like Nicholas Flamel loses the Codex, which is the book that lets him, like, brew the immortality potion and, like, is aging really fast and, like, is losing control over his alchemy and his magic and is, like, desperately trying to save the world from, like, collapsing as he's aging. So, like, this reductive thing where, yeah, your characters are slowly losing their powers and their moves but are steadily, like, contributing to this community and, like, safeguarding it over time and building in defenses and building in the next generation is really interesting to me as well, although I have no yeah. idea when I'll be able to work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that... The the whole idea, you got a lot of stuff on a lot of burners, and you can just... You approach them mm-hmm. when you have the energy. I do feel like... I do feel like I need to mention this just because, like, I don't want anyone to yell at us on Twitter, but, like... Oh, yell at me. <laughs> um, I think another kind of way to do that, like... I don't know if reductive um, progression is the right word, but like that that kind of like progression that involves taking away stuff is to have negatives that start out with your character and then take them away mm. as you keep playing. Oh yeah. I think yeah. there are a couple of games that do that where you like spend experience to like remove this bad thing that has been part of you. Like maybe you could get like in the case of Clink, uh, it has scars. Like maybe in a game like that you could use experience to get rid of a scar. Like you've you've like You've moved past this thing. It is no longer something that's troubling troubling you. It is no longer something that is that is like fulfilling like all the like, that is that is providing all these problems in your life. Yeah. I just so like in case anyone was going to add us on Twitter with this very obvious way that you could you could do this kind of thing. Don't worry, I've already thought about it. <laughs> Natalie is here. I'm here. No one's gonna add anyone on Twitter. No one's gonna be on Twitter. <laughs> no more. Deleted. No more Twitter. No more Twitter. Log off. Okay. Block the fuck off, y'all. <laughs> you can follow me on pelofort.io. <laughs> I don't know how Pelofort works, but I think I think that's good. I think we got a lot of good stuff in this yeah. this episode. Um, my Natalie, where can they where, where can if you want to be found, they find you on the internet. I don't want to be found. Do not try then, to find me. I'm good. They fucking can't. Then Natalie's <laughs> a mystery. Takuma, where can they find you? <laughs> Oh my god, I am at Takuma underscore Okada underscore on Twitter, I am at uh, soundcloud.com slash noroadhome on soundcloud, uh, takumaokada.itch.io, where I have some small games that do not involve progression. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like that's the thing of getting us both on here, so like, I have not made a game, that's not true, the latest one that we did for, for Record Collection... Like, the least game I did for Record Collection had, had progression, but, like, most of my games are so short that they do not have progression. Mm-hmm. You have that one where they just put a knife on the middle of the table, and that's fucking metal. I mean, that's progression in a kind of sense, and the, the knife towards players, but it's not really... It's never really progression. <laughs> that's just murder. <laughs> it's just murder. Outstanding. <laughs> well, if you want to find me on Twitter... Which again, we're all off of now. <laughs> it's thank God. It's the evil has been defeated. <laughs> Finally, I'm at Rev Rye Bread. That's Rev like Reverend Rye Bread, like Rye Bread. Um, 
hell yeah i don't know where this this podcast will go up or wh- like when this is but hey it's probably on the orange groves so follow that that's it that's all i got thank y'all for for joining me this this wonderful wonderful evening that's fun thank you for and, hosting uh, i'm i'm very excited to be able to talk about role-playing games and then have it like somewhere that other people can see and listen to and be like oh i hadn't thought of that that's the dream that is the dream that is the dream uh, <clears throat> i don't have a sign off may may your may your games be good <laughs> <laughs> may your games be may your games game. be your guiding key RPG Design Friends is part of the Orange Groves Podcast Network. You can check out other shows on the network at theorangegroves.com and support the network at patreon.com slash theorangegroves. Our themed music is Wells Branch Park Pre-Dawn by Brother Android. Listen to more of their work at brotherandroid.com. The show is produced by Joe at Ghost of Joe on Twitter and edited by Jeff Stormer at Party of One Pod. You can find me on Twitter at RevRyBred, and you can tweet about the show using hashtag RPGDF. 